Freedom HealthWorks is the direct primary care accelerator. We help doctors across the country start fresh in direct primary care. With Freedom HealthWorks, you work with a team, not a checklist. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com and together we can achieve true freedom in direct care. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. On today's program, we are talking with Kent Long, president of the Catalyst Insurance Group, about the once-in-a-generation opportunity for the insurance world to actually make things better within healthcare. Now, I want to be certain that we reinforce our principles here in the show that insurance does not equal health care. And Kent's going to be telling us a little bit more about the history before and after the ACA, just so we understand exactly what happened in the past 10 years. And then we're going to go obviously more solution oriented. So with that, Kent, welcome to the show. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. Thanks, Chris. Great for having me. Now, you mentioned, uh, and I mentioned in our introduction there, that it, right now where market forces are going, obviously we talk a lot about the direct care movement and, and that's what we do within Freedom Health Works. That's what we talk about on the show is how to expand that, how to get patients on board, how to get more doctors forming grassroots efforts. But you know, your thought is not only is this a once in a generation opportunity for those on the medical side and those receiving medical care, but it's a once in a generation opportunity for those who are in the uh, more of the insurance side of healthcare um, in everything that that entails. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity for them. What do you mean by that? Well, Chris, there's this perception that since ACA came out, and I'm gonna use the terms ACA and Obamacare interchangeably. Um, ACA is the law, everybody knows it as Obamacare, okay? So if I use the terms interchangeably, that's that's what I'm doing. And um, so everybody knows uh, that people made money in the health insurance world before Obamacare. But the perception was after Obamacare, you couldn't make money selling health insurance. So um, uh, back in the day, when, Mr., when President Obama was president, one of the things he did was he bailed out General Motors. You know, there was an old joke that we called it government motors because he was bailing it out. Okay. Well, he saved about forty, fifty thousand dollars, forty or fifty thousand jobs when he bailed out General Motors. But with a stroke of a pen, by passing Obamacare, he put two hundred fifty thousand health insurance agents out of business. So he was picking winners and losers. And uh, so um, uh, I actually wrote a book about about this story. Uh, I started selling health insurance. I started focusing on health insurance in 1997. So I basically sold what was out there, which was virtually the same product everywhere was major medical. Okay. Uh, maybe there's a little twist here. And it used to be med- uh, like, for instance, maternity was optional on major medical. You could sell someone a major medical plan and ask them, uh, if you plan on having kids, you want to add maternity. It was an expensive benefit to add. And if you're a 57 year old woman who just had a hysterectomy, you don't really want maternity. Okay? Doesn't really apply so, to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a single 25-year-old guy, same thing. Okay. You can kind of pick and choose and create a product that you wanted. Now, I became a big fan of, I've always been really consumer-oriented. I got in the insurance business in 1981 with a company that was really kind of anti-insurance. Okay. So I really always had a consumer focus in my insurance career. Okay. So in 97. My manager, who's a real brilliant guy, was telling me, okay, this is what we need to do. Find a solution to the problem that's the most financially sound solution, and then go find a company that sells that product. Mm -hmm. So we did our math, and we felt like 
the HSA concept, health savings account concept, was probably the most cost-effective way to get it done. The idea with the HSA is simply, you take this real high deductible, back then a $4,800 deductible was mammoth. It was gargantuan, okay? So you take a $4,800 deductible, they, the insurance pays nothing under $4,800 and pays everything above $4,800. Mm-hmm. So you basically self-insure for the first zero to $4,800, okay? But you get a nice tax deduction to an HSA to do that, okay? And so that was the model. The problem was there was nothing in that situation that brought market forces to bear to bring competition in to bring prices down. So every year, major medical just got more expensive, more expensive, more expensive. Routine 25% rate increases were happening during the 2000s, okay? Mm-hmm. And I had no happy clients. Even though initially I had saved them some money by switching to an HSA concept, everybody was peeved. Everybody was mad. They always get that phone call sometime when their rate increase came, the annual phone call where their rate increase came in. And there's so consequently, you end up doing something called churning. You kept the same book of business, the same cadre of clients, but you move them from one insurance company to another insurance company to another insurance company mm-hmm. as long as they were insurable. If they weren't insurable, then the merry-go-round stopped because you couldn't go someplace else. Now, the pre-existing condition things is really a red herring in my in my view. Uh, politicians use it to uh, to beat up insurance companies and to move people to you know to push people in a direction. We've always had a way to get insurance. The best man in my wedding in 2005 got cancer. Okay, uh, he was between insurance and his best friends at insurance agent says, "Ken, I need help." Okay, he's got kidney cancer. Okay. I got him declined by two companies, which was pretty easy to do, having cancer, okay, and got him into the Oklahoma high-risk pool. Virtually every state in America had a high-risk pool. So if you didn't, um, you know, if you couldn't qualify for insurance, there was always an insurer of last resort. Sure. All the insurance companies paid a tax into the state to help offset the cost of the high-risk pool. Now, uh, you said the year was about 2005 there, and so you fast forward, why were we or how were we really sold a bill of goods knowing that that high-risk pool exists and that if anybody walked into a hospital, they can't be refused service? How did we get into this point where you fast forward to 08, 09, 2010, where everybody's putting up banners that healthcare means health coverage? Well, that's one thing that Obamacare and the, and the whole the whole system did a great job of. They confused health care with health insurance. Literally, Chris, I had a lady I talked to. Um, this is probably in the mid-2000s. I'm selling the HSA concept. And you can't have a copay with an HSA. Okay. Now, you do get a huge savings on your premium. And I was talking to a doctor, and a, actually, he was a chiropractor, and his wife, and they had young children. She was a relatively new mother. Okay. And uh, I was trying to switch her to this plan that had a $4,800 deductible. And when I said $4,800 deductible, she physically gasped. She was, <gasps> she couldn't, $4,800 deductible was just all the air was gone from the room. All right. So then I talked to her, and she literally looked at me and she said, Kent, if I don't have a $10 copay, where I can take my baby to the doctor, I'd be a bad mother. I think her name was Julie. I said, I said, Julie, um, let me ask you a question. If for some reason your husband's business went downhill and you guys were kind of broke or destitute and you had to let your health insurance go, okay? If, you're, if your child got sick, would you still take him to the doctor? 
She said, of course I would. I said, so you're not a bad mother. You having insurance has nothing to do with whether you're a bad mother or not. But that's the brainwashing that uh-huh. the healthcare, it, health industrial complex, I kind of call it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the, that's the brainwashing that they've done where they've equated health insurance with health care. The problem is there's no cost control in that model. There's no cost control. And, I'll bet and you that's... 10 bucks. You and I get Google Earth out and you pick the city. Any major city in America, we look at Google Earth and we go and look where the cranes are. They're going to be right next to the medical facilities because they're building, <laughs> baby. They got to do something with all that money. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, this is something we always say is that the powers that be 10, 20, 30 years ago did a great job separating the buyer and seller of healthcare services. Right. The patient doesn't know what it costs and the doctor doesn't know what it costs to provide services. And nobody asks those questions. Now, to your point about the hospitals expanding. Uh, we, we touched upon this before in different conversations and different episodes, but the concept of a hospital going into a community is usually widely hailed as, hey, this is great for our town. This is wonderful. But then they look at it and say, they forget that that land and all of that is taken off of the tax rolls many times to the detriment of local school systems, local economies, because that is a huge chunk of tax revenue gone. Now, obviously, that only applies to not-for-profit hospitals. And, uh, you know, I think the pendulum's starting to swing against them for sure. But well, go ahead. Let's mention community hospitals because I have a, there's an example in here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great book by Dr. Marty McCary called Unaccountable. Okay. In this book, he mentions a hospital in Virginia. I believe it's Virginia. And uh, it's a community hospital, which means it's owned by the community. There's approximately 28,000 residents in the community. 25,000 people have been turned to collection by the hospital. That's nice. So who, who's running the show? <laughs> Whose hospital is it? It belongs to the community? And the 25,000 people have been turned to collection by the hospital? Well, then you get some people hearing that, you know, listening to the show and say, well, Chris and Kent, the obvious choice is to go single payer. Okay. Well, okay. Let's talk about that. Um, that's that's where um, state senator Barack Obama said he wanted to go when he was a state senator in Illinois, and nothing changed about his methodology. All Obamacare was, in my opinion, was a stepping stone to go towards single payer. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever you ever watch PragerU videos at all? I, I use them no. to teach. Okay. Anyway, uh, a guy named Dennis Prager started doing short videos, mainly. Sh- done for uh, like 30 somethings. Okay. And it shot at a younger market. They're always four to five minutes long, always one single person talking head, giving information, but usually someone knows what they're talking about. There's a gentleman that did one about single payer. Okay. And in his point, he says, if America wanted to find out what single payer is like, we have an experiment that's been going on for 40 plus years. It's called the VA hospital. The VA hospital is a single payer system. Take a look at how the VA is doing. And, you know, um, there's something like 21 million veterans in America. Only 7 million go to the VA hospital. Okay. Now, it, in the, I think it's actually in this book where Dr. McCary talks about that uh, and why. If you can get free health care, I, I have actually clients who are veterans and they qualify for VA, but they choose to pay for private health care because of the level of service and the accessibility. So with, with private insurance, you basically get two things, okay? You get better access to medical treatment 
and you get it at half and you get your premiums half the price of ACA or Obamacare. So it tastes great and it's less filling. <laughs> Sounds like a beer commercial. Uh, I think they're right. <laughs> Oops, I'm, I'm getting my generation here. The commercial I haven't aired since the seventies. So I'm, you know, I'm getting up there, but, uh, Let's get back to where we were talking about. We're, okay, uh-huh. we're selling health insurance, and then Obamacare comes out as a law. Okay, uh, I won't forget March of 2010. That's the same month that my little girl was born. I have a special one. I have one that's special. And uh, same month that my special daughter was born, Obamacare passes a law. Okay, I get a letter from a very prominent insurance company out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that's been around since 1892. That's when they were founded. So it's a big insurance company selling major medical. They sent me a letter and said, there's going to be an adjustment in commissions. Okay. That adjustment was going to be from about 20% to 4%. So I wrote back. Now, this is gas was about four bucks a gallon at the time. I said, will you be sending a gas card? You know, that's a joke. They, no, they don't. You know, and uh, so we're all, I'm an independent insurance broker. So they don't pay for anything. All right. So later on that year, they said, you can continue to sell our product. We simply won't pay you any more commissions. And it was, it was done. So I represented 22 companies out of the broker. That year, my 22 went down to two. And I literally was a man without a product. I had nothing to sell. I, my wife and I, we looked into flipping houses. We looked into doing some other thing. You know, if I was funny, I'd do stand-up comedy. But I'm not. You know, I'm, 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 I'm sort of funny. I'm a little funny. I, I'd be unemployed in a few minutes. But the, the, um, the point is, we were struggling, looking for all kinds of things. And I had a family of four. I made 18 grand that year. Okay. And I, it, it, the, the turnaround has been so much that I wrote a book about it. Okay. And this is about how I went from making 18 grand in a year to making that much in a week. And mm-hmm. what happened was the market responded. I heard about a company that said, um, we're going to create a consumer oriented product that's going to be the most consumer oriented product in the health space. And it's going to be consumer driven. We're going to put the consumer in charge with this insurance. And I thought, oh, my goodness, if someone really does that, that's a winner. If they'll really do that. Plus, the second thing was the insurance industry is wrought with snakes and alligators and all kinds of scoundrels. OK, uh, I heard this company actually had integrity and would do what they said they would do. That was the, the rumor on the street was they would do what they say they would do. They had some integrity. So two things, a company with integrity uh, and you know, they have a tracker to be in business for several years. They mainly sold Medicare supplements. That was their main business. Okay. And then they start up this new section where they're doing um, un- underage or what they call it underage. So it's health insurance. Okay. But it's done on a little different format. They do it as a defined benefit plan, which a defined benefit plan is a lot like how Medicare works, where you pay a specific amount for a specific event. The difference is they set themselves up as the highest benefit plan in the marketplace. So you can take anybody in their sector and put plant, you know, side by side comparison of the plants, they pay more. So they pay a really substantial amount of money if you go to the hospital. They pay, you know, and here's the essence of the whole trick, Chris. Because it's a defined benefit plan, if there's excess indemnity, you get to keep it. When you say that they paid the highest, now are they paying their client, the individual, or are they reimbursing the medical professional? Yes. <laughs> yes to you, both. That's an easy They will answer. pay the we'll doctor. <laughs> they will pay the doctor. They will pay the hospital or they'll pay you. For example, um, I have a client 
uh, I, I get I use his name by permission, but I'm going to skip it right now. But he owns a, a tag agency here in Oklahoma City. I'm from Oklahoma City. He uh, he owns a, a tag agency, you know, pretty successful guy. I had converted his insurance from a traditional plan to this plan. Okay, this private insurance plan. Okay, he called me up and said, "Hey, Ken, I need rotator cuff surgery." Now, in our discussion about insurance, I had mentioned the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, where Dr. Keith Smith started this place, and 13 years ago, they started publishing their prices on the internet. They've literally started a movement called the Free Market Medical Association. I know you're intimately familiar with it. So I I, I said, hey, go call Surgery Center of Oklahoma and find out what they'll do it for. So he called them and they gave him something called the CPT codes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, Charlie Parker Thompson, CPT codes. All right. So with this information, he's armed. He calls the biggest hospital in town. Okay. Big hospital. And, uh, uh, says, how much would this surgery cost? They said, we well, can't tell you. He said it was like pulling teeth. But because he had the CPT codes, he finally said, okay, 30,000 bucks. We'll do the rotator cuff surgery for $30,000. He said, I'm in a PPO network. And he named the PPO network, which is our product has a PPO. Okay. So he's in PPO network with our product. Okay. 30,000 becomes 16. So because he has, he's in network, he gets a PPO discount down to 16,000 bucks. All right. So he can have the surgery at the most expensive, biggest, baddest boy in town if he wants to. Okay. So how much would the insurance company pay since it pays the defined benefit? Fair enough. He calls the insurance company because he was armed with the information. He said, what do you guys pay for this surgery with these CPT codes? Oh, they said we'll pay $10,400. So my client has virtually unlimited access. He can go anywhere in town to the biggest, baddest place in town, and he'll be out of pocket about six grand. Or he can go to Surgery Center of Oklahoma where he can find it. They'll do the same surgery for $6,100. Now, my client, being a frugal fellow, decides to go to the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. All right. He told me that at the time they didn't take insurance. Okay. So he was self-pay, what you might refer to as self-pay. So Mr. Kitch was a man of means, so he put it on his gold card, okay? And then he um, he said, Kent, about the time my credit card bill came due, I got two checks from the insurance company that totaled $10,400. I paid the $6,140, kept the difference, and kept the freaking fire miles. Yeah, and it's brilliant, but you know that goes back to what we said earlier. What I said was how the buyer and seller in the healthcare industry is completely separated right now by not just a single third party, but so many different layers that it is very easy to kind of, you know, quote unquote, hack the system, but you have to be educated to be able to do that. Like, you know, like your firm is and how you're educating your people out there. And, you know, like you said, you've put it, you put your, your thoughts into words and uh, written books about it. And, that's always been a big call to arms from, you know, our company, from Freedom HealthWorks and from this podcast is you have to start asking questions from a patient standpoint, whether that is, why do I need this procedure or just strictly, basically, how much is this going to cost me? And educated consumers make very, very good consumers. Chris, one of the first things that we ask clients and some of my very best agents are really teachers. My very best agents are really teachers, teachers who ask you for a decision, okay? But we ask this thing right up front. Chris, do you want to become a savvy consumer of healthcare? Or do you just want to go on with the, with the sheep and just hand them your card and ask what your copay is and what your deductible and just go on and then listen to commiserate about how high your premiums are? Well, we're sorry that your premiums are $2,200 a month. 
but you know, it's just the way it is, you know, but you can do have a, you do have two free doctor visits a year and you know, you got that free colonoscopy, you know, unless you, <laughs> unless they find something. And cause if they find something, then it's not free. Cause it goes against your deductible. Yeah. You better keep your mouth shut in those uh, free preventive visits, uh, yeah. air quotes across, across that entire thing. Um, if it becomes symptomatic, you got an issue. Yeah, don't ask a question. Just That's sit right. there and get your blood pressure checked and yeah. get, and, the, get know, the get the kick in the butt out the door. I literally wrote a client a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, he's 62, she's 61. They're small business owners, okay? And she didn't know there are other options out there. So she's going along. She sees Obamacare. She sees that uh, the masses are moving this direction. So she just goes along with the crowd. And I came in and showed her an insurance plan that was really – my top end plan. I can actually adjust it. Okay. Unlike Obamacare, which is one size fits all. The only thing that's different about Obamacare, about the coverage is the deductible and your fees Mm -hmm. because the coverage has to be identical. Okay. It has to meet the minimum essential coverage requirements. Okay. Those 10 things It's kind of like bundling you with cable. Okay. You can't, you can't just choose ESPN or the food channel. You have to have it all. Okay. So uh, um, their premium went from $2,200 to $1,100 half. Okay. And uh, when she goes to see a doctor now, she has a a, a pool of funds that pays for doctor visits. In her case, it pays $160 for a doctor visit. Most of her doctor visits, especially if they're in network, don't don't come to $160. So frequently she'll get an EOB back that has a check attached to it. So maybe $27.50. That excess indemnity was like 20 bucks or something like that. And it more very, it's a very common occurrence for our clients to get an EOB back that has a check attached to it for that excess indemnity because we're teaching people how to be good, savvy consumers of healthcare. And not only that, we're giving them the tools to shop. We're showing them how to use resources like MD Save, Healthcare Blue Book, things like this. And then also we're giving them permission. Great story, Chris. Now this, I, um, forgive me, ever since I had my little girl who's special, I have become the biggest weenie you've ever seen. I, I'm six foot 270. Okay. I look like I could play line for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Or <laughs> I used to could. And, uh, uh, but I cry at the drop of a hat now. So forgive me when I, when I tell some of the stories, I get really emotionally attached to my clients. Okay. But I had a, I had a client call me up this caller, Ashley. I get this six o'clock phone call in the morning. I'm trying to wake up. Uh, hello. And she's at the hospital in the gown, getting ready to have a procedure done. Okay. Uh, somebody walks in with a clipboard and says, Hey, we ran your insurance. Your insurance is only going to pay $350 for this procedure. She was having a pelvic ultrasound because she thought she had ovarian cancer. Very serious. Okay. And she's all, she's a nervous wreck. And the lady comes in with a clipboard and says, your insurance isn't good enough. It's not going to pay. So you need to write a check for a thousand bucks. She was paying. So she calls me. I said, Ashley, take a deep breath. First of all. Okay. Did you shop this thing at all? Oh, no, the doctor told me to go here. And I go, well, who's paying for it? She goes, well, I am. I go, well, why don't you go where you want to go? She said, you can do that? Yeah. How telling? How wow. telling is that? Okay. So I said, yes, ma'am, you sure as hell can do that because you're you're the one who's in control. They work for you and you're paying the bill. So how about we do this? Let's hop on Healthcare Blue Book. In two seconds, I found a clinic that, that literally down the street that would do the procedure for $190. So wow. she went in there, gave her insurance, and they literally, this is before we started cutting two checks, they literally rem- remitted the difference to her. 
Okay. I made a radio commercial about that, that, that situation. And the owner of that clinic is now my client. It was a, it was a radiation clinic. They had 11 employees. I cut his costs in half. Jeez. It's just that simple. I'm so excited about what I'm doing. I have a hard time sleeping at night. I really do. I, I, I join you on that one because it feels like you're actually, you know, making a difference in the world when we're in this industry together. And, and, and you know, what, what that story illustrates, you know, when, you're, when your client said, wait a minute, I can do that. Um, you know, can't we get questions like that from physicians that we talk to? They say, well, wait a minute, it, it's legal to accept cash for medical services? Don't I have I to accept insurance? Don't I have wow. to do business with the government and Medicare? And you're like, no. No, you stop wow. doing business with those people and all of those headaches just disappear into the ether, right? Yeah. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to go back to something you were talking about before. Um, you know, I, I kind of tongue in cheek and you had mentioned Obamacare and I kind of tongue in cheek said, well, isn't that just a ringing endorsement for, you know, single payer? And then you hear this story and it's like people have given up on their own ability to become educated for healthcare shopping and healthcare services that everybody just wants to throw their hands up in the air and say, Oh, I need the government to come and help me out. Right. You know, in, in, in Reagan's nine most uh, terrifying words in the English language kind of ring true on this one that, you know, that's never going to be the answer for the reasons that you just stated, you know, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah. Quote unquote. And, um, and, and, and that's just, it, it just blows my mind. So I wanted you to pick your brain a little bit because you're talking about the, the VA. Now, why do only one in three veterans ever want to use the VA? Well, you know, I'm not an expert uh, on the Veterans Administration. And also, I feel uh, it's a kind of a touch subject. I just don't want to bash them just for the sake of bashing them. But what happened in, in Phoenix? Well, no, not out, to, not out to say, hey, you yeah. bunch of morons out there yeah. running it. But there are yeah. very obvious yeah. well, examples waiting, of corruption on, and, 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 and taping are, over numbers. And I think I know exactly the the uh, example you're going to bring up. These are very real cases and it's not bashing and it's not character assassination by any means. Well, the, um, the clearly the veterans deserve better. But, you know, the Veterans yes. Administration has a has a. I think I'm not positive, but I think it has a second biggest budget behind the military. I mean, the military, like the soldiers and the guns have their budget, but the VA, they have the second largest line item. It, it's, it's billions and billions of dollars. And the wait time for veterans to get in and see people is just uh, egregious. And I know there was all kinds of problems at the one in Arizona where that kind of came out, but um, you know, most of the people, that I run into that tell me they'd rather have private insurance, have some less than positive things to say about the Veterans Administration. And uh, I've met some doctors. My, my wife used to work in a hospital and I've been to an ER for, for various reasons. And I'll meet doctors who do double duty at the VA in there. And there's some good folks, okay? And it's kind of like the same problem I have with school systems. And I'm not here to beat school systems up, but, um, Teachers, they're always talking about teachers' pay needs to go up. Teachers' pay needs to go up. Oh, okay. Pay the teachers more. But how about we get rid of half the educrats? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the administration. It's the, it's the layers and layers of bureaucracy that are at the VA. And, uh, you know, um, Dr. Smith, in, in the video that kind of started that movement, Oklahoma Doctors versus Obamacare, he mentions hospitals having vice presidents at every imaginable level, all wearing $3,000 suits. Well, there you go. 
That's what's happened is all this money that's been thrown at the hospitals has been absorbed by more bureaucracy, more bureaucracy, more bureaucracy. Do you know why the best doctors in Oklahoma want to do business at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma? Okay, real quick answer. Because I had a client, I referred a client over there. Hey, you got to check this place out. And they go, well, I don't want to go to Cheapo Depot to have my surgery. You know, I go, okay, fair enough. Let me explain something to you. Because I called Dr. Smith up one day. I said, hey, how do you choose who does your surgery there? Just the best, just the best, most efficient doctors get to work there. Here's why. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name my doctor, but I think he's retired. I'm not. Anyway, maybe the best orthopedic surgeon in Oklahoma has done four surgeries on me over the years. I met him in 87 when I got hurt at work at UPS. Okay. And he did my first surgery, soldier surgery in 87. He's done uh, Olympic athletes and we have an NBA franchise. He was the team doctor for the NBA franchise. So the best and the brightest that can afford the best use him. Okay. He does surgery at surgery center of Oklahoma. Why? Okay. If he goes to the big box hospital, like I mentioned earlier, we'd all know the name if I mentioned it. Okay. Big box hospital. He can do maybe two surgeries in a day because there's so much bureaucratic red tape to go through between surgery. At surgery center of Oklahoma, he might be able to do seven or 10. Now he gets paid exactly the same amount of money to do to clean us, to scope a knee at both places. He's just a hired hand. Okay, so if you're a hired hand, think about what kind of stress must be involved in doing surgery, because if you mess up, you've messed up. Okay, so you get in there, you're scrubbed up, you're ready to go. Why not whip out six or seven of those puppies instead of two and then hit the golf course tomorrow? Okay, Because the best and the brightest want to work at at Surgery Center of Oklahoma, because it's a model of efficiency. You know, one of the head nurses does the maintenance for the building. It just illustrates the lack of waste like you said the the efficiency the productivity and i know there's always somebody out there saying well i don't i don't want my surgery to be the shortest like you said i don't want the cheapest option i don't want the shortest option and there's other metrics that you can look at and i know in this example you know the word quality is always very ambiguous and and people kind of i'm sure listeners kind of roll their eyes when they hear me say that um over different examples, because quality means something different to everybody. To me, it always means, am I going to get better after this procedure? Is this doctor going to leave something in my body or am I going to have to come back to see them? That's quality to me. It's not hitting certain metrics or, you know, readmissions or whatever the insurance companies tell them, but it's always very subjective. And so that's what, you know, Dr. Smith and, and the folks down there and then, you know, with the FMMA in a broader sense, they do a very nice job of kind of redefining some of those key terms in people's minds. Like the example you were just talking about, you know, is this a great surgeon? Does it take 20 minutes? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. In in Dr. McCary's book, he has a chart. I couldn't find the chart on the flip side real fast, but in his book, he has a chart and he charts outcome versus cost. Mm -hmm. So the more expensive your surgery, what's the outcome? It's it's exactly inverse. The more, the more, the more you spend on your surgery, the worse your outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this, Kent, because you know, after after covering kind of the experiences from the VA and why single payer is just it it, it it cuts down on everything that makes an industry better. You know, it cuts down on competition. It cuts down. Um, you know, on the ability to price shop, the transparency, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, what is 
kind of the the counter argument to that in your opinion you know is it indemnity plans is that the future is that where we go from here if people want to be intelligent about this okay um i would i would say yes to a certain extent um but here's if you want to peel back the onion and actually solve the problem you have to introduce competition and you have to give someone a reason to lower a price okay um I always use this example. Um, there's a surgery that came out, you know, when I was a kid um, and it was probably $30,000, $40,000. It was extremely expensive, back, especially back then. Okay. And now that same surgery is $699 an eye. I, I hear a guy, Eagle Vision for $699 an eye when I'm driving down the road. I hear his commercials all the time. Okay. Lasix. Why has Lasix gone down in price? Insurance never paid for Lasix. Mm-hmm. Lasix has always been cash only. Okay, so if you whatever system you come up with, if it will give the consumer control, restore the doctor patient relationship. I'm getting a prescription a few years ago when I was on a different insurance plan and uh, um, I go to get the prescription and boy, you know, it's pretty pricey. But uh, I I asked the the pharmacist told me I can't get that drug. And I said, uh, well, why not? My doctor prescribed it. He says, no, you can get this drug. And I said, so instead of ABC drug, I got ZYX drug. And I said, well, why can't I get an ABC drug? That's what my doctor prescribed. Your insurance company won't allow it. So I called my doctor. I said, hey, is, is XYZ drug is good? He says, it's okay. This one's better for these reasons. Boom, boom, boom. But mm-hmm. it's adequate. Okay. But I would really prefer you to have the ABC. I ended up doing the XYZ because I was forced to by the insurance company. And I, I called my doctor one day and I said, hey, hey, doc. Who's driving this ship? Who's practicing medicine? Are you practicing medicine or is the insurance company practicing? Some bureaucrat in it, some insurance company is telling me what medicine I need to take. Jeez. What so, is your doctor's answer to that? Just there's nothing I can do or? Well, it, it, no, he, he, he said that uh, one, he said, come by next week and I'll give you a couple samples and we'll see if, if it's better than the other one. You know, and th- that, that sample route is a really yeah, that's the way they play with it. But, mm-hmm. you know, my doctor has changed dramatically. And, uh, and this is part, you know, when you talk, when we, we mentioned in the, when we first talked, I think there's a brass ring out here. I got in the insurance business back in 1981 with big dreams of recruiting an army of agents and changing America, because at that time, a life insurance is very different than it is now. Okay. There really wasn't a lot of term insurance back then. Now mm-hmm. term insurance is everywhere. Okay. So I worked with a company to kind of change the life insurance industry. And, uh, I, I quit because my father went, was afraid I'd make a bunch of money and he, did, he thought I wouldn't graduate from college. And that was my dad's huge dream was to have someone in his family to graduate from college. Okay. So, All right. so but I stayed friends with the, uh, with the gentleman who I saw build a 2,500 person organization and did very well. And then later on, he left that company because the industry changed. And I got back in business with him in 97 and started focusing on health insurance. Okay. But we still had the same consumer focus. Okay. And that's, that's where we were going with it. And then uh, um, this opportunity comes along and I find a company that here's the key. The company has the right philosophy. They have the right philosophy. That's where you start. You start with the philosophy. The philosophy is let's put the consumer in control and let's restore the doctor patient relationship the best we can. Okay. So with that philosophy in mind in uh, 10 years of selling with this company, I've gone from making 18 grand in an entire year to making 18 grand in a week and 
things have changed. I have uh, pushing 400 agents nationwide, and I have agents that are working with me from their home who, you know, they could go see people, but they don't need to. Most of them are, and this, this was before COVID. You know, most of my agents work from their homes, and I have several agents that are making a quarter million dollars a year working from their home with all their overhead is their internet connection, their laptop, and a, and a hundred dollar insurance license. Mm-hmm. They have virtually no overhead and they're making, and here, here's the biggest thing, Chris, last year, my little agency and I, and I'm not big potatoes. Okay. Yet, you know, but uh, we did, uh, my agency did about 11 and a half million and the company in this, in this section did about 140 million. So they're, they're not huge, but we're growing and we're growing a pretty good clip. All right. Well, that means I took $23 million away from the ACA companies. I took $23 million away from Obamacare and gave $11.5 million back, back to the consumer. That's college tuition for kids. That's vacations. That's houses. It's, a, it's cutting a mortgage payment down to a car payment. It's, it's massive what we're doing. And we're getting well compensated while we're doing it. And that's the thing that people don't understand. When you hear what ACA pays for commissions, it's not very much. It's in the three to five percentile range, okay? Whereas we, we may pay four or five times that, okay? And we can because we're a private interest. I mean, there's a thousand reasons why. Uh, ours is underwritten. We don't take everybody. So if, if you, if you want to be, if you're generally healthy, you may be on a few medications or whatever, but you're generally healthy, you'd rather be in the healthy pool of people and paying those premiums than in the sick pool. Doesn't that make sense? Obama, here's the sick pool. Absolutely. If if somebody doesn't take care of themselves and I'm exercising and eating well and I don't have a history, you know, uh, knock on wood and, and you pray for that, then nothing pops up that's going to, you know, tank it. I don't think I should be penalized for somebody else's bad habits. You know, I, I knew Obamacare wasn't going to make it, and I still don't think it's going to make it. Now, they're throwing more and more money at it, but let me give you one example. Um, this is 2013. Obamacare is on the horizon. It's about to start January 1 of 2014. And I was hiring an old friend from high school who was kind of down on her luck. She was doing, she was really great on the telephone. I was having her um, uh, do some telephone work for me, telemarketing. And um, she told me that she needed hip replacement because she'd had a, she'd been a professional dancer and and anyway, just wore the hip down. And uh, she's at the time, probably 51 years old. So that's kind of young to have to have a hip replacement anyway. But, and she's also was uh, not to disparage her. She just wasn't super bright. She graduated, she had a GED. She didn't graduate from high school, but I knew her. And, you know, and so she was great on the telephone. So all this stuff. All right. So she told me she can get her hip replaced and she's going to, and she's going to get, she figured out a way to pay for it. And I go, okay, how's that? Okay. January one, she's signing for Obamacare. And she's going to get the best plan they offer. At the time, I think it was like a gold plan. It has a relatively small deductible, but the premium was $700 a month for a single woman, 51 years old. And that was a pretty healthy, even back then, that was a pretty healthy premium. Mm-hmm. So she, January 1, she got on the insurance. She had her surgery scheduled for January 17th for the hip replacement. She gets the hip replacement done. And when February rolls around, she quits the insurance. So she had a $44,000 surgery done for 700 bucks and she's not even a high school graduate and she could figure that out. Mm-hmm. So if she's scamming the system like that, what do you think other people are doing? 
And the, the, Chris, the problem, it's corrupted so many things. It's corrupted insurance agents. For example, say you're selling for one of the, one of the Bukas. The Bukas are like the Blue Crosses, the Adnas, the, the, big, the big ones, okay? Selling, you're selling an ACA plan. And you're talking to a plumber, and the guy does okay. And um, he says, and he, you ask him, well, we're going to see if we can't get you a subsidy. What do you estimate your income to be this year? He's going to say, well, I think I'm going to make about 78000 Guy grabs his chart and he goes, and he goes you know, if you were to estimate your income to be $65,000, you get a $1,000 a month subsidy. And, he, and so the hint is, all of a sudden, these insurance guys are becoming tax advisors. And they're, they're suggesting you know, that you estimate your income to be a little bit low. Okay. Well, their commission is paid on the total insurance premium. Their commission is paid on the subsidy. Holy Toledo, the corruption, the waste, the way that it's corrupted people's hearts is just, it's horrible. I get kind of exercised about it because I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing something that's a net good thing. I'm, I'm selling a product that puts people in control. I save people a small fortune. And then, unfortunately, uh, we, we cover people's costs. I had a lady call me the other day that... Um, had pancreatic cancer and she's no longer with us. It was, it was actually, in my opinion, the hospital abused her because the hospital misrepresented our plan to her and made her, made her think that she was going to go broke. Well, we ended, up paying, we ended up paying a claim of something like $184,000 and um, she had her surgery and she survived another eight months and she passed. The pancreatic cancer was like that, but she, she, she was financially sound. See, I, I can't I can't do anything about the health of somebody, but I sure can help them with the financial part. Right. And and that's the part that that, you know, that's what started this whole thing was they're saying that no one can afford health insurance. Well, no, it's it, it's what people need. The solution is low cost medical treatment and a source of funds. And that's what I provide in our insurance and in education. We teach you how to be a savvy consumer of health care. And that's the biggest part, and, and and I couldn't have summed it up better myself. It takes the education, and it takes the willingness to ask questions when it comes to medical services. There, so can I salute what you're doing there on the uh, the private side, trying to trying to wrangle back insurance, uh, health insurance, actual valuable health insurance that pays for the big stuff, and not the prepaid health plans that get you the like we talked about the quote unquote free preventive visits and act like that's the only time you ever need to talk to a doctor, uh, which always blows my mind. But Kent, that's going to do it for our episode today. Once again, that's Kent Long, author of the book, The Catalytic Agent, which I believe is available on Amazon, right? It's on Amazon. My daughter's so proud. Daddy's on Amazon. You can get it uh, on your Kindle or get it within two days. Just got to push the, the right button there. So, Kent, once again, thanks for joining us on Healthcare Americana. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and telling your story. Hey, I, I love the whole concept of the DPC practice. I love how doctors have a heart for getting back to practicing medicine. You know, I love my DPC doctor who uh, we went from having seven minute visits to 45 minutes, even have time to talk about football now. It's all about that personal relationship, right? It's all about that yeah. time. Uh, yeah, but I'd say that medicine's always a practice, but medicine's really more of an art form. It's the it's the intersection of art and science uh, together as one. It's always evolving, so we need smart people to stay motivated and keep taking care of us. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. This is Healthcare Americana. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you again to Melissa Turpin, manager of the podcast, and to Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro for all their production work. Thanks for listening.
Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. At Green Imaging, we provide diagnostic imaging procedures that include MRIs, CT scans, and x-rays for half of the average price in a health plan. Most people don't realize that the most expensive place to get an MRI is right down the hall from the prescribing doctor. This is because 70% of doctors are now employed or subsidized by our hospital systems. When we get an imaging exam at a hospital-owned imaging facility, the cost of care is three to seven times more expensive than it is at an independent imaging facility. There is a better choice that can save you up to 65% or more. That choice is green imaging. In most hospitals, there are 16 administrators for every single doctor. This creates an unnecessary burden on the price tag. By removing this excess, Green Imaging provides diagnostic services typically at one-third of the price or less. Check us out at greenimaging.net. The new administration has big plans for your health insurance, changes that can limit your choices. The Affordable Care Act created a one-size-fits-all plan. Healthcare is not a one-size-fits-all problem. The premise of the ACA is that coverage equals care. It does not. This is Eric Wilson from ISA Health Incorporated, and I recently saved a family in their 50s almost $600 per month with our free market plan. Act now. Protect yourself with a plan that cannot be canceled. This is a nationwide PPO plan, which allows you to pick your doctors and hospitals. Start saving 30 to 60% today. If you are self-employed, purchase your own health insurance or are uninsured, you can lock in a private plan managed by you, not the government. Call me, Eric Wilson, an expert with 17 years experience at 888-448-5370. That's 888-448-5370. Or go to iSellHealth.com. That's iSellHealth.com. A free market, affordable approach to healthcare. I look forward to speaking with you. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out HealthcareAmericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.